thought I'd slip in behind the bar here and give you a hand with this last round, Dan. Okay, Mr. Phelps. <laughs> boy, Dan. Make the boss work for his teeth. Don't you worry, Mr. Phelps puts in his full share of hours around here. Oh, why not? It's his case, Mr. Phelps. Well, give me another beer, Dan. Turn it right up. Say, our raven hasn't been in for a Saturday night quarter cigarettes yet, has he? No, I ain't seen him. He doesn't hurry up, though. He has to get him somewhere else. Yeah. And here's the deal. Oh, I guess this is our coming in now. No, three guys I never saw before. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll stop a deal for something that won't be you, no? Right, the one who just got down at the front of the bar, Dan. He's still got a sour puss on him if I ever saw one. Yeah, looks as if he wanted to bite somebody. Well, don't lean over the bar. <laughs> well, the other two coming down here. I'll move over a seat so they can get a couple of stools together. Come on, Johnny. Here's a couple empty seats. Yeah. Get us two beers. Come on right up. Hey, this Johnny's still dead, ain't it? Okay. I'd have a little music, don't you think? Yeah. Look, there's one of them nickel phonograph machines over there against the wall. That ought to do. Well, wait a minute while I see if I can't find something good on it. Sure. Maybe, maybe it'll give the place a little light, huh? Anything special you like? No, just use the most judgment. Oh, that's not a good. Mr. Bell, you notice a young fellow just put a nickel in the machine? Not so quickly. Why, though? He's wearing gloves. So the stuff is ribbon. Now, George, you're right. Now, why would two young fellas be wearing gloves on a warm night like this? I can think of one reason why they might. Yeah, for anything in two. Look here, man. If I decide to be cold, I'm going to have to get your hands up. I'm here. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. A few minutes after the bandits make their getaway, Captain William J. Penfrey, chief of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Bureau of Investigation, arrives at the scene in company with Sergeant G.A. Morford and Deputy Larry Connor. Well, the bandits sure made a mess of this place, Captain Penfrey. Yeah, we generally do when something happens to start them off. What I'm thinking about are these three fellas they laid out, Thomas. Here comes the ambulance surgeon now. How's everything, Doc? Yeah. I'm afraid we got a wagon load for you this time. Pick up, eh? Well, it's coming. Look them over, Doc, and see if we have a homicide wrap along the rest. It's coming up front here. It's beginning to come through. Oh, all right, boy. We'll be all right on the scaffold. One of them hold-up fellas sitting over the head with a peanut machine. Uh, you're a bartender there, aren't you? Yes, yes. My name's Dan Murphy. Uh, tell me exactly what happened here tonight. <laughs> okay, boys, take the staff out of the ambulance. Horrible staff wounds and a bullet in them. Do you know the name of the man they're taking out, Murphy? Well, sure, he's a regular customer here. Named Don Ross. He, he started the fireworks by putting up a fight for oh, How do you mean? Well, when one of those birds called a stick-up, a friend of his came in the front door. The guy with a stick peanut machine. That's when Ross made a grab at the guy sitting next to him. One of the three was stuck up. Yes, and then what? It was too close for the guy to shoot him, so he hit Ross over the head with his gun. Oh. Every time he hit him, the gun went off. That's what busted most of the glass. I see. Now, what about the third man? Oh, he's the bird that started the phonograph machine. Besides that, he's the bird that shot Mr. Pike, my boss. That's the self Jones, this place? Yeah. That's the who's lying behind the bar? Yeah. There you go. That's the proprietor of this place. He's out there in the section. Yeah. Think he'll pull through? He'll be doing well if he lives more than a couple of hours. The bullet in is just above one of his eyes. Mm. What about the other fellow who's shot? He has a fighting chance anyway. That's what's probably here. It's a new Rayburn's all right. 
play scalp wounds. I see. All right. Now I'll check with you later about self scalp. Okay, Captain Tankley. Uh, Mercy, I want you to tell me all you can about what these old men look like. Well, sir, the guy that started the rough here at the bar when Ralph Crab did him, he looks like a mix. Young or old? Oh, none of them was old. This bird looks about to be in his early twenties. Uh-huh. What about the man who shot off? About the same age. And he looks more like an Uh-huh. And the bandit who sat up front, what did he look like? He looked like American, too. Maybe five or six years older than the other two, that's what. see. Do you recognize this gun we found beside Cop's body? Yes, he's old. He can listen to the side. And what about thirty-eight was found in front of the bar? I never saw that one before. It must belong to one of them pickup guys. Anything else you can tell us that might help? Well, the guy that shot my back told the Mexican-looking fella a Johnny once or twice. Johnny, huh? Well, it might help in the hope so. I'll take a good look, Murphy. Most of your customers seem to be back here now. Is anybody missing who was here when the holder took place? No, I don't think so. They seem to be out of that here, no? Are you sure? Well, it's tough. I can't. Uh, what about that old DJ who was here with a blonde here? They ain't come back. <laughs> here, that's right. No, they didn't come back. Everybody else. An old man and a blonde, you say? Yes. Are they people you know? No, as far as I know, they've never been here before. Who's that woman talking to Sergeant Morphett? In the carrier. She's a regular around here, a darn nice young woman. Yeah, she's been talking to him long enough. Let's go over and see what she has to say. I can bet your last bucket isn't hot air, Captain. She's got two feet on the ground and brave. <laughs> she's one of the last of them out of the place. And all the more reason to hear the story. Come on. You ran out the back way while the worst of the shooting was going on. Is that it, Miss Ellie? Yes. When I got out in the alley, I got as close to the back wall as I could, and I tried to keep out of sight. Oh, that's perfectly natural. What happened then? Well, a blonde girl and an older man had followed me out of the cafe, and they were huddled against the wall with me. Oh. Then a few moments later, the bandit came racing out, and they made for a green Pontiac sedan that was parked several yards up the alley. As I leaned forward to see if I could catch the license number. You're getting back, Johnny. I'm driving. What are you trying to do? I'm trying to keep up and make all my own. And I'm sure that if the blonde hadn't yanked me down, I could have had those numbers for you. They're most likely thought they were asking for your own goodness, Elliot. Well, maybe, but I'm not so sure. Why, what makes you say that? Well, it's just an idea. But when we were lying there in the alley while those bandits were getting away, the blonde and his friend were whispering to each other. If they were frightened, they certainly didn't show us. Whispering, huh? What about? I don't know. They were talking pretty low, but once or twice I heard the blonde girl giggle as if she saw something funny in what was going on. Maybe she was hysterical. He wasn't hysterical when she pulled me to the ground. I see. Well, you've given us a swell clue in noticing the make and color of their car, and we have a pretty good description of it. Oh, oh, one thing more, Sergeant. Yes? That girl and her friend kept watching the door before those bandits entered the cafe, as if they were expecting them. They were sitting where they could give a signal in case there were any police officers in here or the holdup might look too dangerous. Well, Miss Elliot, I'd like to ask you a question. While that couple were listening together out in the alley, did you happen to catch any names? Names? No, I don't think. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I'm sure I heard the older man call the girl Mary. Uh-huh. But you didn't hear any other name mentioned. No, I- I'm quite certain I didn't. Captain Tempers, I have an idea. Yeah? Uh, there's an unpaved alley out there, and the getaway car is bound to have left fire tracks. Yes, you're probably right. I'll have Miss Elliot here show me where the car was parked, and if I find anything of the sort, I'd suggest you leave a deputy to guard the tracks until it gets light enough to photograph. Sure. Meanwhile, I'll make a check up of stolen cars and see if we can make anything stick. Okay, now Miss Elliot, if you show me. Shortly after daylight, 
Sergeant Morford returns to the alley behind the beehive cafe with his camera. A deputy is seated on the overturned box protecting the tire track that had been found during the night. Morning, Sergeant. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> What's the matter? You sitting sleepy? Oh, a little cut eyes not going to give me any harm. What are you thinking about? It could have been raining. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at these tracks in the daylight. Okay, I'll get this box out of there. Oh, swell. Nice clear print. Yeah. We'll take the measurements, and then I'll get this camera set. Okay. Hey, how are those fellows that got plugged last night? We've got homicide now against this bunch as well as robbery. Phelps, the owner of the place, died this morning. Yeah? That's too bad. Uh, how about the other guy? Doc says he'll pull through all right. That's good. Uh, what about the money? Do you know how much those tickets got away with? Not very much. I think the bartender said it was $48. Gee, imagine killing a man. Forty-eight bucks. The last laugh was on the bandit. There were two thousand dollars in an empty soda carton, not more than three feet away from the chair shed. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, the camera is set up. We'll see what kind of a picture we can get. Okay. And a photograph of the tire tracks, huh? Yeah. What's your interest in it, buddy? Nothing much. I wasn't a tire plant up the street here, and I just noticed that those tracks belonged to our six flyers, Yale's Deluxe. Oh, do, huh? Yes. One of the best tires we turn out. Got any idea what kind of a car might use them? Most hmm, well, likely one of the better ones. Yeah, the luck's expensive. You suppose a person might buy them for a Pontiac? Sure. Just the other night, I saw Pontiac equipped with Yale's Deluxe over on Belden Avenue. You did, huh? Yeah, it was a honey of a green sedan. Just the kind of a car I'd like to own if I could afford it. You don't remember where on Belden Avenue you saw this car, do you? No, I'm not sure, but I think it was either the 6 or 700 block. I see. Well, I've got to get going before I'm late. Thanks a lot, buddy. That's okay. That was a piece of luck. You're telling me. As soon as I get these photographs, we're going over on Belden Avenue and see just what we can see. You should see. You're going to sleep half the time. Hold on a minute. Hey, I'm the kind of I just got a hunch. Uh, look, the garage doors are open. Let's park and give the place a once over. Don't see that Come on. We'll look in the garage first. That's our best bet. I hope your hunch works, because we won't have to go cruise up and down the street anymore. Uh, I'm going to stick to the side of it. Well, I'm just as sick of it as you are, but there's no percentage of overlooking on the thing. Oh. Uh, here's a garage. What happens now? First, I'm going to have a look at these tire tracks on the floor. Gee, this place is so full of sun. We got everything in here. Hey, take a look at these tracks, will you? Do they look familiar? My God, they look like the same ones. That Pontiac's been in here, all right. You better have. You want me to go back to the car and get the camera? Yeah, and while you're at it, uh, hey, wait a minute, huh? Aren't those license plates sticking out from under that pile of magazines? They sure look like it. I'll take them out. California plates, 3N8026. Hmm. What do you think, sir? I'm willing to bet a month's pay against a rubber two six those plates were issued to that green party act. What do you mean to leave in that garage? I can answer your question, lady, but I hope you'll be pretty busy answering mine with the sheriff's office. Oh, oh wait. Well, well, suppose we go into the house. We can talk better there. I'm sure as I say, I only met these people recently at a party. Naturally, I haven't the faintest idea they were criminals. Let's see if I have these names straight on this, Lee. 
Harry Groves, Leo Waller, Johnny Robles. Yes. Uh, Johnny Robles is the one you said was a Mexican, isn't he? Yes. And the blonde is Mary Groves, Harry's wife. Is that right? That's right. And the old fellow's name is George Brown? Yes, he spells it. B-R-A-U-N. Oh, <laughs> B-R-O-W-N. I'm glad you told me. The right spelling will make it easier to look him up to have a police record. Suppose it does. And uh, all five of them were here last night, huh? Yes. Uh, Mary and George Brown left a little before the others. They left while Harry Groves and Johnny Robles were out fixing something that was wrong with the car. Yeah, while they were out switching license plates, more like it. Uh, outside of the Groves' address, which you gave me here, you don't know where any of the others live. No, yeah, and I wouldn't have known nothing when he nearly gave it to me the other day. Well, I won't take any more of your time, Mrs. Lee. You've been very helpful, and I appreciate it. <laughs> That's all right. I have no doubt your information will go a long way toward putting these people in jail where they belong. I sincerely hope so. Oh, uh, will be all right if I use the telephone for a leave, Mrs. Lee? Oh, right ahead. It's right there in the hall. Thank you. Uh, telephone sheriff's office, local reporter. You're on investigation, Captain Benbury speaking. Hey, Captain, this is Sergeant Morford. Yeah, Morford. Have you got anything on that Pontiac yet? Yeah, the reporter's stolen a few nights ago. Why? You got license plate 3N8026? What's that? How did you know? Because I got those plates in my hand right now. What's more, I've positively identified the Pontiac as a bandit car. Wait, I haven't finished yet. On top of that, I've got the names of the three gunmen besides those of the blind and the old geezer that tangled with Miss Elliot in the alley behind the cafe. I'm sorry, Martha. Hey, Captain, I think you better take a couple of the boys and meet me at an apartment house with the hangout of one of the bandits and his wife. Wait a minute, I'll give you the address. The search for the apartment reveals nothing of importance. And it's decided to abandon further search for the moment while the record is checked for criminal records against the bandit suspects. You know, climax is one thing that almost always gives us fellas a break. Couldn't you every time a job like this beehive cafe business is pulled, the suspect of a record as long as you're on? Yes, there's no question about that, sir. Take this guy, George Brown, for instance. His record dates back 25 years. Yeah. Well, oh, he's been in and out of prison more times than you can take a stick at. Well, girls, there's no stop either. Been playing hard and sick of the judge since he was 12 years old. Waller's record is nearly as bad. Oh, well, they never learn. Anyway, Joe's landlady has identified his and his wife's pictures, and Mrs. Lee has identified all five of them from their mug pictures. I don't think it'll be long now. That's bartender Dan Murphy's coming out to put the finger on him, too, isn't it? It'll be here any minute. Have you got anything against Johnny Robles? Drunk driving at all. We wish it was only drunk driving when we pick him up this time. Come in. Oh, hello, Murphy. How are you? I'm still trying to see if there's no truth in that. Well, don't doubt it. Yeah, have a chair. Yeah. Murphy, I want you to take a look at these photographs and see if you recognize any of the people. I'm sure this is the man who beat her ass over the head of his gun and then shot him. He's a fellow that's our gun. Yeah, what about the others? Huh? Oh. oh. This is the one that stood over by the, the record machine and killed Mr. Phelps. This fellow is the one who knocked out Rayburn down with the peanut machine. What about the last two? Yeah, I recognize him too. It's the blonde girl and the old man who was sitting at the table together last night, you know. Thanks, Murphy. That's all we wanted to know. Is it all right to go now, Sergeant? Sure. Thanks. Come on. Goodbye. As far as I'm concerned, that settles it. We've got the right mob, Carmack. Satisfied that he's on the right track, Sergeant Morford checks for the motor vehicle bureau and learns that George Brown has a finished sedan registered in his own name. Obtaining the license number, Morford telephones all the agricultural stations along the California state line and tells them to be on the lookout for the Plymouth Serendine Place and also for the green Pontiac sedan. Then, late the following Sunday afternoon, the telephone rings in Captain Penbury's office. Captain Penbury speaking. 
Well, you knew he was a stick-up man, didn't you? I knew Harry had been in trouble a lot during his life, but I... Oh, yes, but what, Mary? Well, I suppose I did know that he was doing some things that weren't quite right. And you say you didn't know he was going to hold up the beehive that night, is that it? Yes. Did George Brown know it? I don't know. I don't think so. But you're sure you didn't know about it? Yes. Well, then how? How did you come to be sitting in a cafe while your husband was sticking it up? Well, Harry and I had been separated for several months. I didn't recognize him. I was too frightened, I guess, so. So I ran over the place with George Brown. And you say you and your husband were separated? Yes. Well, if you and your husband were separated, it's a funny thing your landlady didn't know anything about it. Well, you haven't got an answer for that one, have you, Mary? And you say you didn't recognize your husband on the night of the shooting because he was so frightened. Yes. You were sitting facing the door, weren't you? I think so, yes. Well, then how is it you didn't recognize him during the four or five minutes you took him to drink a glass of beer and select a number on the record machine, which was near your table, and get the thing to play him? You weren't scared then, were you? You haven't got an answer for that one either, have you? Come on, Mary. Why don't you tell us the truth? I am telling you the truth. I haven't got anything to be afraid of. If you haven't anything to be afraid of, then why did you dye your hair? You haven't got an answer for any of them, have you, Mary? Well, Mary, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid we'll have to hold you and George Brown without bail on charges of murder and attempted murder. No. No, I don't know anything about it, I tell you. I know anything, I tell you. It's fabulous. Three days later, a green Pontiac sedan containing three men approaches the outskirts of Kansas City. Going down for Leo. Well, I leave you guys. What do you mean, leave it? Yeah, what are you talking about, Leo? I've traveled as far as I'm going in this hot car. Hey, what's the matter with you? You getting soft? No, I ain't getting soft. But I ain't too fond of the idea of getting slapped back in the can either, see? Yeah, we've got this far without no trouble, do we? Yeah, but I'm thinking there's more luck than anything else. Ah, oh, you're nuts. All right, I'm nuts. You and Johnny can go on if you want to, but as far as I'm concerned, this is the end of the line. Don't worry, we will. <laughs> You don't suppose that was a bum tip we got from the Los Angeles Sheriff's Office, do you, Randy? We've been staked out in this local street place for a pretty near a week now. Maybe the guys that told us about are doing a little sightseeing along the way. Well, a job like this can get pretty sightseeing. I'm beginning to see... Well, look. Huh? See? It's a green party accident, all right. And they're pulling up and standing up. Yeah. But there's only two of them, Never mind that. You see the license number. It's a micro license number of California, right? Yeah, number six. It's coming, huh? It's coming down the wall, huh? And the gun ready to slow down on him in the middle of the road. I'm not likely to get killed and men wanted for murder. Oh, I've had a chance. All right, put up your hands, boys. This is it. What's the what's the rest, copper? I'm thinking you know as well as I do. Better, maybe. Take him down for a silly fella. You ain't got the cuffs on him. How'd you mugs know we was coming? Little birdie told us. No, wise guy, eh? You know, they're going to be mighty glad for you back there in California, you two. Almost as glad as they to Missouri will be to get rid of you. Yeah. Well, Tuff will keep out of mischief for a while. Okay. Now, where do we go from here, Flatfoot? Right now, we'll go down to the station. After that, I wouldn't be thinking too much about where I was going if I were you. Now, come along, both of you, before I lose my temper. <laughs> moment we shall hear the conclusion of our story. In the meantime, I ask that you remember two things, very important things to the motorist who wants most for his money. For the complete protection of your motor, use real loop. The lubricant that can't be congealed by freezing weather and in order to be broken down by excessive engine heat. 
and for maximum money-saving power, pickup and smooth acceleration, Rio Grande Crust. The gasoline of outstanding for each car performance. Grove, Robles, and Brown were sentenced to life imprisonment in San Quentin. Waller was later captured in Illinois and will be extradited for trial. Once again, the lawbreaker is learning that crime does not pay. Columbia Broadcasting System.